All right, welcome back, Jackrabbits, to another episode of the Splitting Hairs podcast by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Matt and Kyle here again for our third episode. Um, in the last two episodes, we previewed the offense, then the defense, as well as threw in the University of Minnesota. Uh, luckily, this week we have a game to recap and a game to talk about, as well as a game to preview. So another full episode for you this week. Kyle, how's it going? It's going well, man. Uh just got done with a long, long weekend of travel, headed up there to Minneapolis to see family. And it was an exciting game. Didn't uh, turn out like we wanted it to, but it was good to see the fanfare that showed up and showed uh, their colors and support. So I'm really kind of looking forward to week uh, two, getting a home game in there and uh, getting the momentum back on, on track. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, Kyle, you were right in the end zone there. Right. Yeah, I was in the open end zone. It was uh, it was exciting because I wasn't around a ton of friendlies, um, <laughs> but I was cheering in a very friendly manner, of course. Uh, just you know, helping them with their nursery rhyme, row, row, row your boat when we would score and things like that. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you and Brendan and Ben and I had a, a group text going during the game. You know, so I kind of know some of your thoughts, but overall, I'd love to hear just some of your general impressions of of the game. Yeah, man. So a lot, a lot of things happen that are to be expected, especially when you're starting a redshirt freshman under center. You know, the moment didn't look too big for him overall. I think he just made some reactionary decisions, talking about Jabori under center. Trying to do too much with a situation that maybe you could get away with at the high school level or, you know, when you're running scout and certain things like that, like he was as a redshirt. But Overall, the team speed looked really, really good. I got to see Coach Mo, and I just want to give a nod to him and the rest of the strength and conditioning staff because, you know, usually that time of year you see some cramping or some, some guys, you know, tapping their helmet just because they're not adjusted to the game speed and their body is not where it needs to be, um, you know, because it's kind of a tinkering thing with summer heat and all that. But fortunately, it was a beautiful night. Uh, I think we were we able to get really unscathed. Um, so that was great. So team speed was awesome. The strength was there. I think we were really, to be honest, in, a, in terms of our skill position, step for step with them. Um, obviously, Rashad Bateman made some really nice plays. But, you know, overall, pursuit was excellent on defense. I really liked our scheme, like we discussed, where, you know, we were going to heat them up a little bit more. I think that really did work to our advantage. Um, some of the things that I would have liked to have seen uh, take place at a little higher level would be tackling. You know, I think that's something that will improve as the season goes on. But I think, you know, our cor- our young corners out there, once they started to trust their technique and not get caught kind of guessing or allowing the moment to kind of consume them, I think that they did a really good job, uh, especially, you know, on the quick pass game where Morgan was getting the ball. Bateman or, or attempting to hit Johnson um, where they were really tackling through that outside leg. So, yeah, yeah it's great. And Brock Heward kept nodding to our team defensive pursuit. And calling, uh, they were calling uh, Rose, Roseboom. They were calling him uh, William Wallace, which I, I got a kick out of. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the corners uh, in that first half, I, I was pretty concerned. Uh, it's a young group. And, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman had his way with that group. Uh, and you're right. In, 
Don Gardner is such a competitor that I, I can't imagine he was, he was happy with that first half performance. And he came out in that second half and um, on the one play, he completely blew up the wide receiver on a little bubble screen that they tried to run. And he just was playing with a lot more confidence. So that was good to see uh, out of him, out of Don Gardner. So, you know, a couple of things that really stood out to me that I, I wrote about in the rants and raves. Uh, but I thought Aaron Johnson just played great. Uh, you know, I ha- Coach Eck assured me that Aaron Johnson uh, was the clear starter out of spring ball, had an awesome spring, had a tremendous summer. But there's still those questions, right? Because last time we saw Aaron Johnson playing a significant role was against you and I, where he struggled. And for him to come out and pretty much shut Carter Coughlin down uh, is phenomenal. Like it, Carter Coughlin got near Jabore on uh, the opening possession but otherwise you didn't hear his name called at all. And he finished just with three tackles, one solo. So, you know, obviously he did, he did still make some plays, uh, but he didn't have, he didn't change the game. Like, like he has the potential to do. Uh, Another guy that, uh, that really stood out to me or another thing that really stood out to me was the offensive creativity. And, and you can dive into it a little more just because you understand the scheme, but that diamond formation in the backfield, we ran that for about a possession and a half um, where Jabori was flanked by two running backs and then had one behind him. Uh, a couple times we ran, we ran it uh, with the wide receivers, the tight ends in tight and the, the touchdown pass to Pierre that got called back. There were four guys that were legitimately open on that play and he threw it to Pierre and Pierre, you know, scored, um, but the holding called it back. But what, what awesome creativity creativity was really exciting to watch i i enjoyed x sprinkling in of um, different style run plays uh that were option oriented um leveraging you know power back speed back and we really got the edge a lot the whole night you know i really liked what cj did as well as pure getting that edge um, getting smooth not taking extra contact and getting out of bounds when they could he had a masterful screen call, a little slip screen where the uh, middle screen to appear on third and long. I want to say it was in the third quarter that really established our long drive right after kind of a special teams error where we weren't able to secure the fair catch on the kickoff uh, return. So, you know, he did an excellent j- – you know, it wasn't his first time calling plays, but it's his first time calling plays outright as a Jacks coordinator. Um, and I thought it was masterful, man. I think even Coach Stig gave him some some dap when he was uh, when he completed that that third quarter masterful drive. So um, we were able to do some some really nice things rhythmically. And I think just from a culture standpoint, after rewatching the game, um, some of the things that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. Um, when he he took ownership, Coach Eck, he took ownership of the of the third and long run play. But you know, I, I don't even fault him for that, being that. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of a coin flip as I saw it where you can try to get in more fourth and manageable situation or potentially catch them off guard and get the first outright on a run play on that third and long when we're driving to tie the game. So, you know, if I had to grade him, I would I would grade him uh, probably a B minus. Um, and then, you know, in terms of just uh, some of the, the errors uh, that we made, again, that we already touched on with Jabori being under center, ha- kind of having 
um, some, some mental mistakes just with, or, or really not even mental mistakes, but just some, some things that will come with more repetition, like the mesh point that we talked about on the, on the option. Um, just being more assertive, getting more comfortable with the personnel on the field, because with that creativity that X showed, we're going to have a lot of different hands touching the ball, which I love. I absolutely love that. Um, keeps the defense on their heels, having to, to guard against different guys with the, with the rock in their hands. So yeah, overall, really good really good uh, effort and really good uh, creativity. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just going to get that out of the way. Get that. Absolutely. Out yeah. For get this the first episode. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so one thing, another thing that I really did like was the special teams play overall. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the fair catch gaff that Johnson had, which was surprising, uh, but we had a couple nice returns. Uh, obviously the holding penalty negated one, uh, but I loved, you know, what Chase did. I didn't realize this until the rewatch, but uh, using Cole Fromm in the second half, the Nebraska transfer to handle the kickoffs, I thought was just super smart. Uh, we have a history in these FBS games of allowing some big returns in key moments. So if, if Chase's leg is getting a little tired in that second half, absolutely use Cole to, to knock another touchback out of the, out of the end zone. Um, and don't even give Minnesota a chance to have one of those giant momentum swinging plays. Uh, I just thought that was super smart, and and oh, I didn't even envision that when when they uh, signed from after he transferred from Nebraska, uh, that that would be a way that they would use him. Or I didn't even think of that as a way they'd use him. So uh, again, uh, that's super. That's a big weapon to carry uh, on your team for those to prevent those momentum turning plays potentially. Yeah, and and not only that, uh, preventing the momentum turning plays, but really bringing special teams to the Gophers was was just absolutely um, pivotal, especially when you get into uh, FBS competition like that, where you may be out talented, which honestly, a lot of the Gopher fans were very disappointed and maybe they had some expectations, but I don't think the Gophers were as bad so much as the Jacks were highly skilled and highly prepared, which Urban Meyer, when you got a three-time champion talking at halftime that it's going to be a dogfight in the second half because this isn't just some ordinary FCS team, you know, that's that's pretty lofty praise. And I think that with what Coach Stig and, and his staff is able to do year in and year out um, with double-digit wins and to be able to recruit that territory and what donors have done, it's just a nod that, you know, we're not here to take part anymore. We're not here to just collect the check and – uh you know, with that on special teams, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Dinkle. You know, I'd like to see him secure the catch a little bit more cleanly um, and a little more consistently. But, you know, he really had some nice punts, um, 57 long. That's a that's a boot for your first collegiate action. And uh, outside of that, I think that, you know, if he doesn't drop the first uh, the first attempt at a catch on one of those snaps, he put the ball around the one. So I think if we just get our timing right with those gunners down there who are trying to down it inside the five, um, you know, that's going to bode really well as we get later into the season. Yep, absolutely. You know, he did have that shank uh, towards the end of the game, uh, but right. but it wasn't even like a terrible shank either. You know, uh, I think, I think uh, his sky's the limit. And the coaches, that's one thing they've talked about is just continuing for him to improve his consistency. Uh, but obviously that, that leg talent was on full display there on that 57-yard boot, that's for sure. Yeah, and to, to that end with special teams, like I really want to touch on this, and, and you'll be able to speak to it as well. I think one of the greatest things Coach Stig does 
um, that maybe his mark as a, as a head coach is surrounding himself with exceptional coaches. Um, his assistants are, are pretty remarkable because if you get to know Coach Stig, um, he's just a person who's really kind. He's a man of his word, and he respects and loves, honestly, all of his players and coaches. And I think that he trusts the expertise and the history and the backgrounds of his coaches that he assembles to be able to do their job effectively. And then he doesn't necessarily have to micromanage from there, you know? And that's really evident when you get into the special teams, because a lot of times that's a, that's an afterthought for some institutions where their, their main responsibilities are to really team defensively or offensively. But, you know, we played Minnesota before and we had a couple really big gash kickoff returns when coach Moore was a special teams coach. And, uh, you know, now we just continue to, to continue to up the ante and continue to not have a lot of drop off, if any, and take that next step. So that was amazing to see on special teams. I mean, you said, you know, Kay Johnson had a KORTD that, you know, some people might say the, the flag was suspect there. You, you kind of got to call that in that situation. Um, the problem is, is we have such great effort on special teams and we have for such a long time that sometimes guys, you know, I, I think that was an effort issue with Smenda because he kind of really just he kind of had him out leveraged. And then I think he just kind of finished his job. But, you know, that'll happen from time to time. We just got to clean that up and we can't have that in FBS situations. Yeah, absolutely. If even with the, the Jackson Yankee penalty or Jaden Yankee penalty later in the game on special teams, uh, you know, that one could have gone either way. In my opinion, they called him for a block in the back. But, man, that right. other guy just tossed him uh, and it it's one of those things where when you're playing up against FBS games, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt on a lot of the calls. Uh, so you just have to be perfect. Uh, and, and really the Smenda one, the CJ Wilson penalty, like in my opinion, rewatching it, they were probably penalties, right? And yeah, they were, they were properly. Yeah. Called, but, but you know, you don't you just don't put yourself in that situation. Like you said, play perfect. Maybe another way to say it would be just don't beat yourself. Yeah. You know? yep. and, and, and especially against those teams where, you know, they're at home. You don't play in a lot of 40, 50,000 fan environments at the FCS level. Um, so you want to make sure you, you leave nothing to chances. This one, that's a stigism for you right there. And, um, by leaving nothing to chance, you know, some of that's going to have to come with maturity because then you understand how to leave nothing to chance. Like you talked about Gardner. I watched him a lot because after I saw him go to Bateman, I was like, all right, we, we're going to have to shore this up a little bit. Um, and then he started to trust his technique. That's something that I don't think I'll ever forget because I heard Coach Bubak and Coach Sarvis just drill that into our heads when, when I was there. And once he did start to trust his technique, his feet were under him a little bit more. He was, he was turning his hips more quickly once he recognized uh, what was coming at him and his responsibility. And I think that that started to show, man, because he started to play with a lot more confidence as the game went on. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, like we said, we can just keep taking another step as time improves because they'll have those reps under their belt. Absolutely. So let's Kyle transition here to Long Island university. And I know you've been digging in and doing some research on them. Uh, so first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Long Island university, their history and who they are as an institution? Yeah. So it's a, it's a private school there in Long Island that originally was founded after purchasing the land uh, from the post lineage. So CW post, think post serial, um, you know, your favorite 
uh, I think it was called postums back in the day, similar to cornflakes. Um, and it's kind of interesting, you know, it's similar in story to what's going on with them as, as the Jacks, not identical, but they are making the transition from division two. Um, they were a non-scholarship program, but they were division two. They became a little bit of a power there in the Northeast 10 conference. Um, coach Brian Collins is entering his 22nd season at the helm. Um, but they're consolidating two different campuses there. And now it's going to be uh, consolidated under the name, uh, Long Island University Post to kind of pay homage to that former namesake. And one of the cool things about that, uh, about the tie-in with State as well, is having consistency at the, at the head coaching position with Brian Collins for that long of a tenure is only going to allow him to, you know, integrate his culture and his philosophy uh, and really get it deep-rooted as he starts to make that transition. You know, Stig had been with the Jacks for a long time as well. And I think that that's really shown over time that through that trust and getting your the right pieces in place, you've been able to have some success. Um, but they have graduated a ton of folks. Um, you want to speak to that and in, in kind of what we can expect from some of their rosters? Yeah, rosters? yeah absolutely. So they're losing 16 starters from their squad last year. Uh, that squad on a offense averaged 30 points a game. On defense, they only allowed 13 points a game. Uh, really stout defense. Uh, offensively, uh, they, they run kind of a pistol formation from the highlights I was able to find on YouTube of the, the conference championship game last year. And, and on defense, they run uh, just a 4-3. Um, you know, when we look at the NEC teams that we've seen in the last couple of years, whether it's Duquesne or Robert Morris, uh, you know, their, their lines are a little bit smaller uh, than what we see in the Missouri Valley. Uh, but but I'm impressed this for being a new squad or for being a, a new division one squad, they actually have some pretty decent size uh, on the lines and they did go out and and get some JUCOs um, as well as some some transfers uh, from other FCS schools. So uh, their lines definitely aren't as small as maybe what we saw with Duquesne and Robert Morris. Uh, so so that's going to be something interesting to see and, and to watch is just that line play and. Uh, the last couple of years against these NEC squads, we've just completely overwhelmed them with our size and depth. Uh, so we'll see what that's like for these guys as well. Uh, that's a great point um, to that. And to your point there, I, you know, I watched an interview of one of their big defensive linemen. He looked like a stout kid. You know, his name is Abel Joseph. He's a senior, about 295, I think, 295 pounds. I think they got him listed. He's going to be able to, to eat up some blockers. I think it will be different when you're going up against the Missouri Valley Football Conference line. But when you're, when you're on a team that's making that transition, it's kind of like a built-in motivator, right? Because you're trying to establish something that's really never been done. You're playing at the highest level. So you can expect uh, them to try to give us their best shot for sure. It's definitely a, maybe a minor trap game where hopefully we don't have a Minnesota hangover. I'm fully confident that the coaching staff will get everybody in the right frame of mind to approach uh, this week through, throughout practice and to, uh, to really go out there and, and handle their business. But they have had a lot of talent come through there. I mean, they got a guy who just signed to the New York Giants practice squad and uh, did a pretty nice job in preseason, Jake Carlock. Um, the Northeast has a ton of people, a lot of bodies, so there's a lot, of, a lot of numbers to be able to sift through to try to kind of find the right fit and like we both have said before, Brian Collins has been there a while. So um, he's known as a defensive guy, a lot like Stig, you know, so there's some more similarities there. But 
It should be it should be an interesting matchup. I think. Yeah, and and a couple of players I think we need to keep our eye on. Uh, you know, for the Shark offense is their quarterback uh, Clay Beathard, and that last name probably sounds familiar. Uh, his brother played at Iowa. Uh, Clay was at mm-hmm. Iowa Western yeah. last year, and it looks like he started two games against Hutchinson Community College and Fort Hayes Community College. And for those of you who are uh, who are Netflix fans uh, and watching uh, Last Chance U. Uh, those colleges should be familiar. Uh, but anyways, in those two games, he, he did have a nice game. He passed for over 500 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions in those two games. So so he can sling the ball, and I don't think we can sleep on him uh, just because, uh, I mean, Iowa Western produces some really good players. So if he played there, he's not a slouch. Yeah, and, you know, he he's played at the collegiate level. So there's another, you know, there's another – notching the cap or the belt to be able to say that you under you understand a little bit of the tempo of the game a little bit of the preparation you know it's obviously not going to be quite as involved even at the the smaller junior college level but to your point i western you know they have beaten independence they have they have uh surprised some folks and, and they got some good talent there too so yeah i have no doubt he'll try to sling it around yeah and then you know he he's joined by two uh, experienced running backs um tim marinan uh, appears to be more of a slasher. Uh, he, he's, he's good at catching the ball out of the backfield. And then Jonathan Dubuque, uh, he looks more of a, a little bit bigger, like their physical guy, he's six foot, 225. Uh, so, so we'll see. Um, they don't return a lot of experience catching the ball. Uh, you know, their, their leading returning receiver is 22 receptions, 252 yards, two TDs. Uh, Jake Boffshever is his name. But uh, again, not not a lot of experience, uh, a lot of unknowns there. Yeah, and in, in listening to an interview with Marinin too, he had alluded to the fact that he ran a triple option in in high school too, and this is his first uh, starting action as running back. So I want to see a stress stress his blitz pickup capabilities and um, really see if he's uh, forged to take on uh, Rosa boom or William Wallace or, you know, some of these other cats that are going to be flying around um, very quickly, which was another thing we really, we really showed a lot of promise to me in the gopher game was how we were coming, uh, coming off of our games and our stunts. So games where you're running multiple stunts across the, the front of the line. And then, you know, Ryan Aris, he got a sack. He came really tight off of, uh, of the end that was looping underneath. He came over the top but you really want to stay tight and trust that that's going to be there. We did that across the board with a, a number of guys. So I was really, really, really happy to see that Winkleman as well, getting some, some good action in there. So we're going to need to do the same thing against the sharks. We're going to have to stress them, um, keep them guessing. I love the movement across the line because what you're trying to identify numbers, right? And as an offensive lineman, um, especially if you're trying to establish the run game, you're, you're generally looking for the three tech. Where's the three tech. Do we have, four to our side or three to our side. Do we want to check the play? So there's a lot of things uh, that go into it there that uh, will only help to continue to stress and, and really bring the game to the offense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to that point, uh, I should have mentioned this before when we did the recap of the University of Minnesota game. But if you had told me at the start of the game uh, last week when we talked that we would outrush them uh, and we would hold them to just 132 yards and a 3.1 average on the ground – I would have said you're crazy just with the size of Minnesota's line, the talent in the backfield. Uh, so I feel really good about where our run defense defense is at this year. 
Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, total yards, we had the advantage, 367 to 308. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we spared them a couple series where we didn't even really where, – where, you know, our turnovers um, really just gave them a leg up. But really that was the difference of the game. I mean, time of possession, 2748 uh, for us versus their 3212. And we really dictated the entire third quarter, as I saw it, after we had that little, uh, that little errand uh, miscue. But other than that, it w- that was our game to lose. So hopefully we take that, or I mean our game to win, rather. And hopefully we take that um, really seriously. We understand that there's always room to improve and that almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Yep. So um, we got to take another step this week. And I, I just like, I, I like where we're at. I want to see our leadership uh, a bit more rise up. Um, you know, Mikey Daniel, he's a senior upperclassman. We got – Greenway out there who's an upperclassman um there's some things there that happen late in the game where if we trusted our technique when we're when we're setting uh we don't we don't allow an inside move to beat us for that sack there but there's just a lot of different things uh that are going to emerge as the season goes on that I can't wait to absolutely see. and so for this week uh what I'd really like to see is for the Jacks to get up early and to and to get into a rhythm on offense right and and give a chance uh, for the for the second string and third string to get some some live reps, uh, we still do have a young roster. We returned a lot of starters, but our, overall our roster is pretty young. And and I think we've learned a lesson last year after what we did to Arkansas Pine Bluff that we're gonna we're not gonna see the starters for as long. Uh, and I really think we'll see those uh, those again those those second those second uh, second string third string guys get a lot of run. Uh, but I, but I want to make sure that our offense does find a good rhythm as well. So it's a kind of a fine balance, right? For sure. And I think that, you know, some of the things that emerged from the Minnesota game that I liked as well was uh, Cade took another step forward uh, in terms of his offensive skill position at wide out there, um, just making, making himself the guy to go to um, in tight situations. That's only going to, free up opportunities for other people. And some of those other people that, that kind of really surprised me, especially uh, given their, um, their grade level was, was Yankee. His suddenness when he caught the ball, he was assertive um, in getting up field after he secured it. Um, he did some nice things blocking, if memory serves correctly. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he did a good job on that fourth and one when Jabori was able to kind of put his head down and, and get the ball and, uh, and get the first down. So, one of those things, too, that, that are, I think is pivotal, at least as I see it, you know, it could be a f- philosophical thing, but the quarterback needs to take a hit, especially when you're when you're Jabore and you have that big frame. You need to take a hit to kind of get immersed into the game because when it when it the game exists on your periphery like that, it's it's kind of tough to to get a feel and get into tempo. Um, and everything is so much based on timing, especially the offense that we've got. So. It'll be cool to see what they do with him in this LIU game because I, I really don't even think we've seen his skills on full display yet. We're just about to see him. So it'll be cool from an offensive perspective to keep an eye on that. Agreed. Uh, and, and that school to the north is going nuts about Trey Lance's performance uh, at Target Field on Saturday, as they should. He had a great game from all accounts. He sounds like a great kid. Uh, but they were also playing Butler. And so, <laughs> and so everyone that's already jumping on the Trey Lance bandwagon over Jabore uh, just needs to hit the brakes for a second 
and let's let's give them a, you know a season to see you know a couple seasons to see how they develop um, because it's going to be hopefully if we're if we're lucky as fans we get to enjoy both their talents for the next four years and uh, some epic well, well some put. epic head to head battles so well put man absolutely well put and you know it was really interesting I remember when uh, when a guy named Taron Christian back in the day came in and you know I should say on the outside nobody really had an idea of what he was going to bring. I mean, I think people were excited because he had some intangibles being a track athlete and, um, you know, his frame and his skill. But I remember reaching out to, to Jimmy, Coach Rogers, one day, and, and, and I was asking about a different player. And he said, I don't know, man, this kid from Roosevelt, he's got something. And just to hear Jimmy, who's not going to – Jimmy's not going to say something if it isn't true. So to hear Coach Rogers um, underscore that, I mean, I think the same goes for Jabori. I mean, he hasn't even he hasn't even shown us a modicum of what he's got yet. And then to that, there are some things that he did that were a little a little different than most uh, underclassmen, redshirt freshmen taking a start like that. His eyes were downfield, and I love that. I don't I don't like when guys get into situations um, where they dink and dunk and are so conservative they don't stress the defense, and then you know it just gives the defense an opportunity to jump the ball. So. Yeah, I really like some of the things he did. Trey Lance is, is a freak in and of himself. So I think that we're only going to be treated to some uh, some really good high-flying, hopefully one-sided scoring affairs with blue and yellow on top. Yeah, there we go. All right. So the, the segment of the show that you hate, uh, we got to get into <laughs> some predictions here. So uh, for this week, uh, again, I think we learned our lesson last year after the Arkansas Pine Bluff game. Uh, we will not do that again, and I do think that uh, that LIU could put up a better fight than than a lot of people expect. Uh, they they do have this experience with all these JUCOs that they've brought in. Uh, you know they they have some they have some in game experience. They're not tossing out freshmen. They have some size, uh, but I do think that that the Jacks are just gonna overwhelm them overall with their speed, athleticism. Uh, and kind of show them what what FCS and Missouri Valley physicality is all about. So I'm going to go and jump at uh, you know 56 to to seven, something like that. Now, I like that pick. I really do think that we're going to probably put something up in the 50s. So I'm going to go with 52 to 13. All right. All right. Yeah, I really think that, you know, when I remember playing at Nichols and at McNeese, and when we get off the bus, a lot of those fans were, were pretty shocked at our size. Obviously, coming from up north, big corn-fed corn fed boys. <laughs> and, but then when, when, they see, when they see the speed, it's kind of like sneaky speed. But now I think we got the athletes and we got the training with Coach Mo being a fixture there for so long. And the donor support and backing, I really do think that we're just going to overwhelm them with both size and speed in this one. Now, New York and the Northeast, they, they're known for their, their mentality. They got a grit um, and an edge to them as well. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I think the moment's going to be too big for them. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm expecting. I do think, though, that they're going to be a competitive squad in the NEC. They are going to win some games in the NEC this year. Uh, and I think – Long term, it's a great addition for FCS football. Uh, again, just to raise that bar for the NEC is that maybe they can get some playoff upsets eventually. Uh, I guess Duquesne did beat Towson last year, so they're a conference yeah. that's improving too. 
No, I'm glad you brought that up too, because um, when listening to the interview with uh, Coach Collins, he he's a very uh, poised coach. He's been there, so he's seen a lot of different things with a lot of different transitions and just the longevity. I'm sure he's seen a lot of different variables, different crazy scenarios occur in games. So he's going to be well prepared. They're going to earn our respect. Um, and then in, in the NEC, they're going to do well too. I think that last year when James Madison was kind of flirting with the idea of, you know, we're going to go D one FBS or we're going to kind of stay here and see if we can, can't establish a dynasty or a power. I think that uh, one of the beat, one of the beat writers uh, for the FCS or out there in Virginia alluded to the fact that we need to have strong D two programs rise up. Um, and I think that that's really going to raise the level of play overall for the FCS, as opposed to kind of these, these one hit wonders where they maybe win a title and they come from, a good area where there's some financial backing and then they flirt with the FBS, but then they go get pummeled by power fives. It's like, I would, I would love it if the Jacks just stayed where we are um, in North Dakota state too. Um, and just really just continue to establish ourselves. Cause I, I think it's a huge recruiting advantage. You know, you, you, you want to go to a six and six Mac team that plays, uh, you know, in the Mako toilet bowl or whatever. Do you wanna, <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to disrespect them. That's the reality of the situation here, you know, or do you want to compete for a national title? You know, you might win the Mako bowl and be known for a few years, or you can win a national title or try to win a national title and be known for a long time coming. Yes, absolutely agree. Uh, so with that, we'll wrap up this week's episode, uh, but go Jacks. Run rabbits. Hey Jackrabbit fans, Matt Tollefson here again with Jackrabbit Illustrated. Just wanted to say thank you for listening, for subscribing, for sharing. Uh, it was so great to meet so many of you at the at the tailgate at the Alumni Center up at the U. Uh, it was just a fun atmosphere. Uh, thank you for the feedback, thank you for the compliments. Uh, so um, look forward to continuing to meet more of you throughout the season. So again, as always, please like, share, subscribe, and uh, we really appreciate it. So let's get a W this Saturday and go Jacks.